Business Diplomacy Today, the podcast about international relations and geopolitics from a business perspective. We help you anticipate the changing political and societal trends that influence your business. Welcome. My name is Matthias Katon. I'm your host. Business Diplomacy Today is sponsored by the Indo-German Center for Business Excellence. The center is a think tank, research center and network that connects people and organizations interested in business relations between India and Germany. As an academic institution founded in 2021 at Frankfurt School of Finance and Management, it is an independent and impartial, but it is always close to the real world. To find more about the center, go to indogerman.center and you will also find that link in our show notes. Today's topic is political risks. We will discuss what it is, why it affects you as a business leader, and what you can do about it. And to talk about this, I have a great guest once again. His name is Nicolas Schwank. Nicolas studied political science, medieval and modern history, and public law in Heidelberg and Barcelona. And he later also earned his doctorate in Heidelberg. And those who are familiar with my own biography will immediately notice that that's where we know each other from. We both studied and worked together in Heidelberg at the Institute of Political Science. Nicolas later directed the Heidelberg Institute for International Conflict Research. And in this capacity, he was the editor of the so-called Conflict Barometer, which is an annually published report on the number and development of violent and non-violent political conflicts Worldwide. So there we are already getting a little bit into today's topic, I guess. He has led several research projects at the University of Heidelberg and he then founded his own company, Konias Risk Intelligence, in 2015. Uh, and that is a consulting firm that primarily informs companies about political risks on a digital basis and it provides figures for that. In 2019, Konias was integrated into Michael Bauer International. So uh, Nico is still there working with his team and he continuously monitors the development of more than 1,000 active political conflicts worldwide. That's quite a bit. And uh, he advises uh, several companies, DAX corporations, so big German corporations from the automotive and reinsurance uh, industries. And he is also launching, that as something that we will definitely talk about later, a new academy, the Konyas Academy, which will be a training program for companies to qualify employees from the areas of purchasing, controlling and management to become political risk managers. Wow, that sounds very interesting. Welcome, Nico. It's a pleasure to have you here on the podcast. Thank you, Matthias, for having me. It's great to see you again. Nico, most of our listeners are business people, executives who are somehow interested in uh, the broader picture, but they're probably asking themselves, well, political risk, what is that really? So let's maybe start off with some kind of a definition. When you talk about political risk, what do you mean? So political risk is a really a kind of new term. It uh, arises now in the business world. I would say we have to separate between man-made crises, which are connected with political risk, and uh, a natural crisis. So everything which is based on uh, political decisions, of human decisions, this could be connected with political risk. 
especially in our times, there's um, a new awareness for political risk because a lot of new risk, which are now seen as uh, as political and um, connected with uh, decisions by politicians. Could you give us an example? The most impressive example is um, the current situation, the new war between Ukraine and uh, Russia, with all these results, with all these outcomes for people all over the world. It's starting with the full prices, with energy crisis, with the rising of prices for energy, of course, and in, in the question how we will feed uh, the people around the world with a missing delivery out of Ukraine. And this is just the starting point, or the the highest point which we saw in the in the last years. The development starts already some years ago, I would say, with the presidency of Donald Trump. In this time, we saw changing in the behavior of um, political conflicts and political crisis, and also in political risk, because there was a return of the interstate conflict. So. All the years, starting at the end of the Cold War, the current situation was dominated by interstate conflicts and conflicts uh, or questions which were more or less connected with um, interstate problems. So, in my view, the international system was quite stable, and this really changed dramatically with the um, presidency of Donald Trump. You said that political risk, at least in the business world, is something that is only slowly taking hold. It's something that is still relatively new on people's mind. Would you say that that is because political risk is more pertinent today than it was in the past? That seems to be something that you said. Or is it just that political risk always existed, but especially the business world did not pay that much attention to it? Yeah. To be honest, I think it's both. I would say you're right because a political risk is something which exists all the time, but the awareness was uh, different. And especially in Europe, you can uh, make a separation between English-speaking countries, also including, it's not Europe, but uh, including uh, USA and Great Britain. They have a different awareness of political risk all the time, especially in Germany, Austria, Switzerland. It's really hard to convince people to, to have a, a closer look on the political risk. But this is changing. I mean, it's, it's you can't deny it if you look at the current uh, situation. That's interesting, though, because especially Germany as an export-oriented country has many companies uh, who do business all over the world, uh, both relying on international trade for their supply chains, but also for uh, you know selling their products. Why do you think that there is such a reluctance to dealing with these issues from a business perspective? Yes, it's a really good question. First of all, I think it's interesting to see where are the main export countries and import countries from Germany, and it's still Europe, France, countries like Great Britain, but um, countries um, which still belong to the European Union. So people thought that it's, it's not so important to have a closer look on this political risk. But um, things are changing currently, first of all, because we have a broader look on our supply chain and so that it's not only important to have a look on the first tier and um, to see where comes my direct products from the previous before, but to have a closer look on the total supply chain. And there also the influence of the new law, 
which will start in, in next year, on the 1st of January, for the companies, the uh, neue deutsche Lieferkettenlizenz, so the supply chain uh, law. And um, uh, this gives consumers the right to ask the first step only the big companies, where are the products from? So, and not only from the first steps, on, from the beginning of the, of the product. And there's an, also a new law in preparation on the level of the European Union, which will be also harder than the German uh, law. And um, so, beside of the current political situation, people get more and more the rights, and also they have the, the feelings that it's good to know where the products are coming from. Mm. And um, therefore, this is um, something what um, will change, um, I think, also the behavior uh, of, of con on consumers in the next um, months, years, dramatically. So maybe you can have um, uh, some comparison to bias in the supermarket, because um, now it's, it's um, quite common to buy organic food. And um, also, also in the discounters, which is quite cheap to have now. But a change in the behavior, which start, started uh, definitely years ago, maybe um, decades ago, but now it's quite common to ask, where are my products coming from? What are the circumstances when, when they are produced? And I think this will change um, consumer behavior dramatically in the next months. Now, you mentioned the war, a war as one political risk, the, concretely the war between Ukraine and Russia, and that is probably one of the worst incidences uh, of uh, political risk that can happen. But if we look a little bit kind of below that maximum uh, threshold of disruption, are there other political risks that can affect uh, my business model as a company? Yeah. As I said before, we observed the changing in the behavior of states in the political system, and it's more common really to have um, more interstate conflicts. And um, most of these conflicts are, this is really good, this is uh, the good news, are not prone to violence. But the states used to, more and more states use this, this, this measure of sanctions in interstate conflicts. And this is something which really arises in the last years dramatically. So there are more and more sanctions. So this is really something which can affect your business dramatically. And it's not only good to know that there are new sanctions, I think it's better to know which situation and which relationship between states getting worse and worse. So to be on the timely to know where I have to, to find a new supply, supplier, maybe probably, because the situation is getting worse with this country. And um, this is, I think, which um, also, it's a challenge for um, yeah for all companies, but especially the Germans because they are not very used to have a look on this on the side of political risk, as I said before. Now we said initially that you and your company you monitor more than a thousand of these conflicts. Uh, how do you advise your clients? Uh, do they tell you in advance? They say, oh, you know, we have business interests in countries X, Y, and Z. Please keep us uh, updated. And then, you know, you call them whenever you think that things might take a turn for the worse. Or how does this work? Yeah, we um, learned a lot in the last years um, starting this company. Out of the university, we had really different tools and so on, uh, how we can inform our, our clients about the 
predict the situation. And what we learned is, is they are not really interested in having uh, reports. And you know, as a scientist at the, uh, at the university, under 10 pages, you won't say it's a good report. So this is uh, out of comments, this is not interesting for companies. And we developed uh, key figures, which help companies to see if their supply chain is under pressure or not. We develop different key figures, but we observe this model, uh, the data model is that we observe the political situation and separate it between different levels of intensity of a conflict. And um, the interesting point is that we also have conflicts in our view which are not violent. And um, because these are these, especially in interstate context, these are these these conflicts where it could happen that sanctions as an instrument is used. So it's good to know to see in time there's um, a new conflict arising and uh, could it be that there's um, so sanctions as an instrument used in the next months. All this information are integrated in one key figure which we send to our customers. But of course the customer can also have different information. So uh, he gets this key figure, but he can also ask for separated um, sub-indicators when he's interested and um, also see, he can see for each conflict which is an effect in, in, in this region. He can get information about what is the conflict about, how long is it also remaining, um, was it uh, already violent, things like that. So we have a, a huge database about the behavior of political conflict starting in 1945. And so we, we are really learning that the conflicts are always changing and have new forms, new um, new demands and um, new new um, risks which they are connected with. Do you also look at uh, political risk uh, in, when it comes to, for example, certain uh, policies? Um, you know, a country might restrict the ability to invest in a country or to work with uh, investments by, you know, putting restrictions on the percentage of shares that you might own, for example, as a foreign company in a, in a local company and stuff like that. Do you also look at these non-conflictual, at least not in terms of violent conflict, but in terms of regulatory risks as well? Yeah, absolutely. This is something which we um, learned in the last years, really to see that um, political conflict doesn't only mean it could arise political violence or not. We learned that um, political conflicts are connected with a lot of different political risks which are which can affect um, the interests of companies but also of private investors. And um, what we are currently doing is we enlarge our model and not, uh, have not only a look on um, the level of intense intensity, or let us say the level of um, physical security, or risk of physical security, if you are in the country. We look more and more on questions which are really connected with, with economic questions. So uh, could be a new conflict which can uh, lead to ethnic problems and maybe change um, the the labor problematic or the labor conditions in a specific country. And um, um, these are things which we are currently starting and we will be able to, to provide new indicators in the next months to give a deeper insight into situations. It seems to me a little bit that in the past maybe one or two decades, a lot of these conflicts or risk situations seem to 
become much more dynamic. They spring up much uh, quicker, maybe also unforeseen. Uh, I got just one example uh, when uh, the... Uh, the Danish cartoonist uh, published uh, the the cartoons about the the Prophet Muhammad, which created an an, you know, an outrage in uh, some Muslim countries. I think within days, basically, uh, Danish uh, products were boycotted in parts of the Middle East. So that was, I guess, a risk to those uh, companies that were affected by that. Is that something that you, is even possible to foresee, or is that? such um, you know random acts that uh, you know no matter how sophisticated a model is and no matter how many indicators you try to pick up it's virtually impossible to prepare for well i try to compare uh, what we are doing a little bit with um, weather forecast yeah. and for big changes in the weather you have um, a lot of indicators uh, temperature is changing you have uh, views on, on satellites you clouds uh, things like that. So it's really good to see the big changes, the big conflicts, and um, to say, okay, here here can happen something, really big problems. But um, of course, um, conflicts are changing. Um, we see, and you mentioned it, um, in the last years that um, conflicts um, escalate more rapidly. They are have not such high numbers of um, victims as they had before, and um, they also de-escalate quite quickly. Yeah. So this conflict about, this was, was uh, printed in, in the newspaper, de-escalated within um, a few days, but um, it's still in, in the head. So what we are doing, we uh, know, we learn about the new forms of conflict. We see a sensitivity for this kind of problems. So you can see, okay, where had we already a similar situation? And um, people can also have this information in our database, which kind of conflicts uh, happened in the last years in a specific region. And I think it's, it's also important to know that our um, database not works only on, on a state level. We have the subnational region um, as, a, as a basic of our analysis. So we separate, for example, Denmark or Germany in the first level, in, in, this, in, in case of Germany, in the 16 uh, Bundesländer. So we have a closer look what happens within the country and also uh, what happens in the north of the country, which might be more sensitive to um, religious questions or um, 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 differently to the south. So this is all information which we provide to our customers if he is interested in. Now, one thing, of course, is to know about a risk that may exist. Another thing is, when you know that, what do you do about it as a company? So, if I am being made aware of a particular risk to my supply chain or maybe to my markets where I sell or to my investments, what do I do? What possibilities do I have? This is really one of the main questions because also under conditions of, of university, we had also a lot of problems with the question, what can we do with information of early warning? And um, we had also consultancy projects for the European Union and the questions of, um, of refugee movement. So the question is, what can we do? And um, I think the best which you can um, out, make out of, of, of our information is to be prepared for, for situations which can arise, which can come. It's uh, important to have a closer look on this, on this situation. If you see my key figure is higher than the average, it might be interesting to see what are the reasons for this value. 
and um, if we provide deeper information, you can see, okay, this is a conflict, uh, or as a basic for this value is a bigger conflict between two ethnic groups which uh, um, are fighting in this region. And uh, our data show, for example, that every five years, if every time, if we, we have uh, elections in the country, um, the violence can rise. And you have problems with your transport system because um, the borders are closed, and also the airport, for example. So, but if you um, see the patterns behind the conflict, you can be prepared and say, okay, in the next um, three months, uh, so could be the next, or it will be the next election. Okay, so this means we should integrate this information in our schedule for the next months, and um, be prepared. Okay, what are we doing if the airport is closed? These are things we, we, we support, and also in different scenarios, um, um, in a broader context, what could happen in the country in the next two, three, four years. You mentioned preparedness, and I think that's always a good thing in, in theory. It sounds uh, well, you know, who would, uh, who would argue against being prepared? What I sometimes wonder, and, and I'd be interested in hearing your thoughts about this, is to what extent is that even possible, given the m multitude of potential things that could go wrong? And I mean, we have so far talked about political risk, of course, so man-made risk, but there's also other risks, uh, such as the, the global pandemic, which uh, I don't think anyone foresee, at least not in that amount. And my feeling is a little bit when I now talk to, to people until very recently, almost every organization was preparing for the next pandemic. And that is, in my opinion, always, you know, it's the saliency bias. It says, you know, we always look at the things that is closest, uh, you know, the, the thing that happened last. And when you then tell people that, you know, nobody really knows what the next major global crisis will be, but it's fairly unlikely that it will be another pandemic. There will be another pandemic at some point, but the next big thing will probably be something different. So if we now prepare for the next pandemic, we may be preparing for something that will not happen very soon, right? So that's one thing. And in, in another example where I was always surprised is that at the beginning of the pandemic, at least in Germany or most parts of the world, there was a lack of respiratory masks, of gloves and all that kind of stuff. And there was a lot of criticism leveled also against the government. Why don't you have like a national stock of, of these masks? And I was always wondering, you know, had we had uh, these stocks for, you know, for the entire population for the last 30 years at a cost of probably millions and millions and millions of euros per year, what kind of discussion would that have sparked and what kind of criticism would we have leveled against, you know, government officials for wasting so much money on something that we never, never use? So, in short, I find the idea enticing of being prepared. Yeah, it's like this Boy Scout motto, you know, always be prepared. But is it really possible to prepare for all the eventualities? And does it not often also outweigh the cost? Uh, just one final, I mean, comment, which is now all the rage, supply chain, right? So we saw that, uh, you know, supply chains, uh, when they're just in time, you know, very, very long and, and very, very narrow, they are prone to disruption. Something happens in Ukraine, bam, we're in big trouble. Something happens in Taiwan, trouble will be you know, even worse, probably multiple uh, times of that. The question is now, if all companies now diversify their supply chains, yes, they may be better off in, in a situation of crisis, absolutely true, but it will come at a tremendous amount of cost. So where is the cost-benefit ratio? Is it not sometimes better to say, well, we accept 
a certain degree of political risk and it is easier for us to accept the fallout when it comes, you know, the push comes to shove or the, the shit hits the proverbial fan, to put it that way, rather than to be so prepared at, at an enormous cost for the organization. Of course, now everybody is talking about the next pandemic which could arise and um, what we are doing about. But um, the problem at the same time is um, um, news and um, all newspapers and agencies are full about the information just about one, one crisis. And um, as I said before, we have more than 1,000 political conflicts um, which we observe. And it's sometimes really incredible what happens at the same time when the world is fight with just one big problem. Nobody is talking about or was talking about countries in Africa, countries in Latin America, um, which at the same time has a lot of political turmoil, which produced really a lot of different problems. And we try to help our customers in the currently in, in, in existing um, analysis of um, the situation in this country during months where everybody is talking just about pandemic or Trump or whatever. So this is um, really important to see and also to have the dynamics of data to see if something is uh, um, getting worse. So it's not that you have to be prepared everywhere. So it's also have, we have um, with our data also see the information about countries which are very good in resolving problems. Yeah, So um, it's also a question of preparedness, of uh, readiness in solving political problems. This is part of our um, algorithms that we see, okay, countries are stable over a long time. And even if something new happens, okay, don't get in panic and um, say we solve the problem. But if something is out of pattern, um, we uh, will uh, inform our customers and also with an alarm in, uh, information function, if you are interested in, to be prepared and to see, okay, something is really out of the order, um, not expected. So uh, have a closer look on it. And this is time if you can start your preparedness and um, making new plans um, for a new situation. So it's not our aim to say our customers, okay, look, here are thousands of problems, and afterwards, if something really bad happens, we say, okay, yeah, we, we uh, told it you before. <laughs> yeah, But it's um, really our aim to look on, on these developments which are out of the pattern. And let me come to your, to your second point, the costs. Of course, it might be expensive um, to invest in preparedness, but it's not also things that you say, okay, we have to be prepared for everything. But um, um, we know from the talks and um, with a lot of um, um, companies that things are really changing because they had the experience that uh, things are getting more and more expensive. And um, especially after the first breakout of uh, the first, first Ukraine war, uh, there were a lot of companies which didn't expect it and had a lot of problems with in enormous costs. And also, as I told you before, there's a new openness, sensitivity for these kind of problems because it's not only the question of money, it's getting more and more also in the question of rumor and um, of, um, of a fame of company. If um, uh, they invest more and more money in, in countries which balance the human rights, um, it's getting problems and costs, not in sense of money, but in sense of acknowledgement by, by, by customers. So this is a new problem which 
we observe and um, where companies have problems. Interesting point. I think this is something that we also saw in the current conflict in Russia, that some companies pulled out of Russia completely, which they wouldn't have had to do uh, just following the uh, sanctions that were imposed on Russia, but they decided to go even further by shutting down their operations completely just because they did not want to be associated with that company. Is that what you mean? It's like a reputational decision? Absolutely, absolutely. It's getting more and more the issue for companies and um, also connected with the new delivery law for, for in Germany and in, in Europe. could be that it's um, more and more the issue for, for customers to see, okay, what effects will I uh, produce if I go um, to see this company and buy, buy things? So um, I think there's a more... Also, uh, more sensitivity on the side of customers. They are asking more and more which companies will I support with uh, my buying decisions. And um, I'm really convinced that in the next years, this issue will come more and more in the minds of, of people. As I said before, as we saw it um, in, in the food sector, where now it's quite normal to buy organic food and to say, Is there a fair production idea behind? Also connected with the question of um, uh, climate change, um, everybody sees now people, I'm uh, really convinced about it, people are getting more and more awareness for what they can uh, achieve with their buying decision. And therefore, it's um, absolutely new awareness for political decisions, but also political risks. A bold prediction the world in 10 years. We always ask our guests to take out their crystal bowls and make a bold prediction of how the world will look like in 10 years. Now, Nico, what do you think? When you look at political risk, your area of expertise, what is your prediction? Please be bold. Don't worry, we will not hold you accountable in 10 years' time. We know it is difficult to look into the future, but please give our listeners your best bet in terms of the world in 10 years. I'm not very looking forward to the world in the next 10 years. I see really a decline of freedom and yeah, reduction of trade, reduction of liberty. My biggest concern is Russia. I think they will be the big loser of the current conflict. The question is, what will happen in 10 years? Maybe they will be able to end this Putin era in 10 years and will try to reconnect to the Western countries. But this will be a hard job because um, yeah, there's a lot of losing trust. And um, uh, I think also that Germany and other Western countries are not anymore depending on the energy of Russia. So it will be hard for Russia to, to reconnect to Western Europe. I hope <laughs> there will be a chance, but I think it will be really hard for the um, relationship between Russia and Western Europe. For Germany, I think we will getting out economically stronger out of this situation. I think it will be able, we will be able to have, after dark years, we will be able to To have this um, switch in the energy production, we will be able to have more green energy. We will not depend anymore on other countries. 
but this does mean that um, Germany will be able or will be uh, will have the will to lead uh, Europe as they don't have it um, um, currently. So I think it will be uh, strong economically Germany, but um, it will be political weak as it is before. China will be a, a big issue. I don't think that there will be a violent conflict between China and Taiwan. Uh, I'm really hoping so. But I think in 10 years, um, China will have a lot of um, new economic problems which we don't see so far. But um, I see problems with um, this new power ship um, in China um, if they are not able to really have a change in, in the political leaderness, they won't be able to react on new political challenges. So I think the power of China will decline. We will see a new arising or still arising Asia power India. And um, I think they, they will be more focusing on, on, on uh, the rivalry between China and India. And I think also that um, Western countries will orient more on, on India than on China. So this will have a lot of problems for China or produce a lot of problems for China. And uh, I see also a weaker relationship between Europe and um, the United States, even if it seems to be now as strong as it used to be in the in, during the Cold War. This will change and America will focusing more on the Asian countries. So it um, should be a, a short... <laughs> memory on on uh, on situations in, in 2022 when we have uh, this closer relationship with the states but i think it will be the last time that we have this this feeling of a strong relationship between states and uh, western europe thank you very much nico for your bold prediction for the world in 10 years we talked about obviously once a conflict has Risen, it's very easy uh, to talk about it, and then everybody knew about it before. So that was uh, the case with um, COVID, that was the case with the Ukraine conflict. You said that, uh, and that's probably true earlier, that uh, the media or public attention is usually focused on only one or maybe one or two issues at a given time. So looking back at the 1,000 conflicts that you are Monitoring, that also means that at any given time, 999 of those are not getting the amount of attention that uh, they might deserve. So let me ask you, uh, for, for those companies who are not yet your customers, I'm not sure if you're going to spill the beans, but in your view right now, and we're now in August of uh, 2022, what do you think is the potential political risk from a business perspective that is not getting the right amount of attention right now? Let me answer in a, in a broader context. I see what we are currently observing is a change also in the international system. So uh, the world in 10 years will be different to that what we observe currently. My key question is what will happen with Russia? Russia is now one of the most important energy exporter and exporter of raw materials. They are losing their most important customers, and I can't see really countries will, will be in the same position which is now Germany for, for Russia. So I think they will lose a lot of money in, in the next years. 
they will lose uh, a lot of military capacity. And um, every time if um, a country goes down in the ladder or in the international system, other countries will try to achieve this position. And um, therefore, I expect a lot of international conflicts which will arise in the next years. They will also affect the European Union. It's a question what will happen with the East European countries, which will be maybe uh, affected most by the decline of Russia. But it's also a question what will happen with, with Turkey, which will try to climb up in the, in the ladder of the system, but will also have a lot of economic problems in the next years. So I think it's, um, um, there will be a lot of new big political problems arise in this, in that area. So also, um, including maybe also the, the Arab uh, geographic room. You did not mention China. Uh, interestingly enough, uh, you don't see that as a major arena of conflict uh, in the years to come. Yes. That's uh, would be the second part. But you asked me for for something which nobody ta is talking currently. Okay, about. fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. People are talking about that quite a lot. Uh, you are you are right. Yeah. Fair point. Yeah. But I, I would absolutely confirm you this is something which really concerns me a lot. I mean, it's sometimes incredible what happens in, in this area. Um, uh, information which doesn't reach us in, in, in Germany or in, uh, they have fightings, small fightings between ships. And um, sometimes it's very, very close to the outbreak of a new war. Thanks God, it's, um, it's still not a really um, um, violent conflict, but it's very close Some commentators have said that uh, with the pandemic, now with the war in Russia and other factors coming together, this is the end of the globalized world that we know it also from a business perspective. Do you think that's really true? Do, will we see um, a decline in maybe global trade, rise in nationalism, all these uh, doomsday scenarios? Do you think they're realistic? I'm afraid they are realistic, yeah. This is something which really makes me, which really makes me sad because I'm where I grew up um, not in the 90s, but it was my political awareness, and it was uh, fantastic to see um, the falling down of borders and uh, the freedom we achieved. I'm really afraid this, um, that we will see a decline in all this kind of freedoms and all this kind of exchange. I mean, it, it is clear that we that the economy is changing. It won't be. As, um, depending on other countries, especially in the question of, uh, of fuel and energy. But this will affect all um, other aspects as well. As far as I see, there are really plans to get uh, less dependent of also poorer countries, which makes me also say, I'm, I'm questioning, how will it work? Uh, how will these countries have a chance if we decline to trade with, with these countries? Yeah, we'll see. But um, the big point is um, currently reducing trade and um, be more concentrate on their own on the strengths of a country. And this, um, yeah, this makes me a little bit sad. Executive briefing: What you should read now. Nico, we always ask our guests to come up with one or two recommendations on what our listeners should be reading. This can be a book, it can be something online, anything you'd like that you believe is important for our listeners 
to follow the topic of political risk. What would that be? Well, um, I would recommend our listeners to ask for an overview of the current political situation and we will be proud if we send all your listeners um, an overview about um, the political the number and the issues of political conflicts if they are interested. But that's not the, the main point. I have two recommendations for all your listeners. The first is um, out of a Belgian professor for international relations. He is since years observing the relationship between geopolitics and international relations. And um, it's quite interesting for me because now I'm something between coming out of the university, have a lot of um, talks with people who work in insurance companies or in big uh, manufacturers, and they have totally different questions as we have in the university about international relations. And what really makes me, for me, it's interesting to see this book of, I hope I, I spell it right, Kriekemanns, um, he published a new series of books, starting with geopolitics and international relations. So he's he a question of what we can learn out of the perspective of geopolitics about international relations and out of um, international relations for geopolitics. So it's a quite modern book, and it's I think it's really worth to to, to read it. And um, second point is, is there's really a lack of good books about political risk in the world. But yeah, I think 2019, Condoleezza Rice published um, one with a co-author. It's called How Business and Organizations Can Anticipate Global Insecurity. And um, this would be my second recommendation. Thank you very much. And we'll make sure to put links uh, to those uh, titles in the show notes. So if you didn't manage to note them down, you can find them there. Yeah, we're already coming to the end of uh, this episode. We talked about political risk, a very complex thing, often underlooked by business leaders, but still vital for the success of basically any company that you can imagine, at least those that have some kind of international ties. And uh, yeah, it's probably hard to find a company that doesn't have them. Nowadays, I'd like to thank my guest very much, Nicolas Schwank, an expert in political risk, for providing insights and sharing his ideas and also his views on the current situation. This was another episode of the Business Diplomacy Today podcast. This podcast is presented by the Indo-German Center for Business Excellence. If you like the show, make sure to subscribe to it on your favorite podcasting platform. And of course, we would also be delighted if you would leave a review or rate it there. You can also go to our website at businessdiplomacy.today to check out the show note of this episode. And that's it for today. Thank you for listening. Thank you.